What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Muscle, and this is another Two Line Music Cuts Entertainment Report podcast. And today, we have a really special guest in the building. Listen, you've seen this lady from the early 90s till right now. She celebrated 30 years in the business. She went from a sex symbol to a cultural icon. You know what we have in the building today? We have dance hall queen Carlene in the building today. What's going on, my sister? Hi, hi, hi. Good night, or morning, or day, wherever in the world. Time it is. <laughs> hi, how are you from Kingston, Jamaica? I'm excellent. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Entertainment Report podcast today. You're most welcome. All right. Definitely. On this podcast, we like to go right from the beginning and then bring it right up to right now, 2022. So my first question for you is this. Where did you grow up in Jamaica and what type of child were you? Oh, I grew up in a middle class home here in Kingston, Jamaica. Um, mischievous, creative, and very unique. Mm-hmm. Why would you say you were unique? What was so unique about you? So I have 10 other sisters and the, the other 10 is similar to each other. I am not nothing like the other 10. Mm-hmm. And I'm second to that. So you can imagine there is nine other siblings that I'm nothing like. Mm-hmm. What made you so different? What was it that you like to do that they didn't like to do or vice versa? Well, first of all, they abide by the rules of my parents. I didn't. Um, I just had my own. <laughs> I think I had too many sisters. So I just came different now, you know. But it was in a good way. It was just me being me. Yeah, got you. So even growing up now, what do you think you were going to get into? Did you want to become a doctor, lawyer, accountant? What do you think you were going to become growing up? A mortician. A mortician? Yes. I was uh, stemming out of that my grandfather, brother, is a big name here who had a funeral home. So on occasion when I was younger, I, I think I used to visit. And my siblings wouldn't go around there. And they said, I would even lie in the coffin. So, you know, I was never the one who was afraid. And again, it's probably something in my bloodline. I don't know. But I was very curious. And I had a lot of interest in the dead. Mortician. So I guess you weren't lying when you say you were different. You were totally different than everybody else. Yeah, they thought I was kind of weird, creepy. Yeah. I hear you a hundred percent. So then now, so then when did entertainment start to creep into your life? When did you actually start to notice music, notice dance hall, or even anything entertaining? Well, that was always part of me because I would dance at fits, um, school events. I went to Excelsior High School and my first year there in the seventh grade, a little young girl, I performed at the first concert and they were like, whoa. And at the time I was dancing to more punk rock, Prince, Madonna, you know, that's what I was brought up on. And yeah, I had colored hair long before people here in Jamaica knew there was colored hair. I had piercing that was just nowhere else, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. That was just you from the beginning there. So then now, so then you've always been into like fashion and all that stuff here also? Yes, I have always been like that. It's stemming from one of my big sister who was really into fashion. Um, Lorraine. Yeah. She was. Mm, yeah. So I looked up to her and that 
part of it because she was really sexy and beautiful in the way she presents herself in all of her dressing. And even you, what was it that you liked particularly about fashion? I think fashion for me was expressing who I was as a young person who understood that I knew I was sexy. I didn't need anybody to affirm it to me or, you know, tell it to me. I had a feeling about myself, which was very sexy. And I knew the way I dressed made me feel sexy. So I think that's really how it started. So if I put on my shorts, I thought it looked better, a little shorter, because I felt sexier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess you understood from back then, sexy wasn't really a shape. Sexy was more of an attitude. Yes, it was. It, it was an attitude for me. Mark you, my body went with the attitude because I was very sexy. Mm-hmm. And you knew it from early. Yes. Mm-hmm. Super random question before I get back on track. Is black your favorite color? Yes. I could tell. Most times you see like anywhere, it's always in black. Yes, it is my favorite color. It complements my complexion. Mm-hmm. Plus you said you like, like more kitchen and stuff. I know you didn't hear that. <laughs> what did you I say? I said I even like the color in my mane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I could I could tell because as I said, if you said you like dead and black, they all go together. It's dark, you know what I mean? Yes. All right. I'm not so a dark the- person though. Mm-mm. My personality has nothing to do with the color that I like, with the shade that I like. No, I'm actually alive. A vibrant, very alive person, and and love life. Mm-hmm. I believe you. When did now dance hall start to creep into your life? Did you hear an artist in particular that you liked? Was it a song that you pass somewhere? See people going into a dance. What was it about dance hall that attracted you? My sister Pinky. So this is how my other sister came in. Uh, she dated Tyler, and at the time, you know, he was. Well, she dated him before he was even a mega star. And so he was growing and because I'm the youngest one, well, you know, youngest because I have a sister after me, but she was never there. So, you know, they consider me the youngest one and they will tag me along because I was very curious and very mature. So at 13, I could go to anywhere for 18 or 21. <laughs> yeah, I had a very developed baby face, but a very developed body. And so at that time, in the late 80s, nobody cared how old you were. That wasn't an issue in Jamaica. I mean, it, it was an issue in the States, but not a big deal. It's, it's in the later part where children, not being children or supervised, where, you know, everything changed. So at that time, I went. So my sisters would take me, like, to some face. And I loved it. You know, people weren't sleeping and then they were sleeping on the floor. Then it started. She took me to House of Leo. Yeah, that's the first dance hall I went into was House of Leo. And because dance hall is a space and that space can be anywhere. And in that space, it's where you find freedom to just be whoever, whatever, and however you want to be. I fell in love with it. And you discovered that from early out. Yes, it was early. It was probably about 15 years old. Mm -hmm. 
The name Bubbler's Posse. Does do you know anything about Bubbler's Posse? Yes, because as again, Pinky, my sister, she they were in that little crew at that time. And I would, you know, hear them talking or when they would come to my house, you know, I'd see them getting ready to go. Yes. From there. All right. So you got in, you like the whole vibes of it just being a free space where you could do what you want, be yourself and express yourself. Especially yeah. you. There is no rule. Mm-hmm. Unlike other, you know, um, like clubs and certain places, they had dress codes. Dance all had none. Mm-hmm. So now when did you actually say, okay, I like this place. When did you actually start dressing the role or how did you actually get your foot in the door now? So my first music video I went in was with some unknown dread. So that didn't, I, I can't even remember what's his name. But my second music video was Tigers and Anthony Mambo come back to me. And this was no, a hit song. It was number one everywhere. And it started, you know, they would ask and Tiger would say, bring her, come, bring her there, bring her there. So before Dance All Queen, we had a magazine called something lifestyle. I don't really remember. And I went there just to look and they picked me to be on the back of the tiger, um, the bike with Tiger. Cause my sister, she really never liked that kind of, she was the shy one in certain way. So then I was on the back of the magazine, the bike back with Tiger on the magazine. So then it was like, wow, I had to leave. I had to go back to the States, go to school. Yes, school was important. It's a must. I don't walk the States. I have a degree, but I do. And when I was away, I would come here now. I'm of age. I'm, you know, 17, which was consent of Sexual consent here was 16 at the time. I was no 17. So, you know, you pass one age into another. And also you got your driver's license at 16. So, you know, you're 17. And I would come back and forth to spend my summertime and Christmas time here. And I would dress in my clothes where I would change. I'd buy something and I'd change it. And I would block the traffic. I would stir up. He was here from the way I was dressed, from my head to my foot. And so I knew that there was a market here for me to get into what I had in my head, to bring it out. So I kept going back and forth, blocking the roads, blocking the dance, being let into parties because of how I was looked for free. (laughs) And so I started to put everything together in my head till I started to put them on paper, take pictures, put them together. And I had something in my head. So when I came back to Jamaica in 1992, mm-hmm. it was January. I don't remember why I had to come, but I had to come. And I was like, I need to do more. I need to make this happen, really happen. So I met somebody who at the time had a club. It was in um, Portmore. And Of course, he was, you know, because of how I look, he was probably interested in that way. (laughs) So I went to the club. They were having a stage show, no, fashion show. Mm -hmm. So before he told me that, I was telling him that I wanted to do my fashion. And I don't think he's taking me serious. But anyways, I was invited to the club. Got to the club. And it had 
all the Miss something in Jamaica. It was top, top models, top. At the time, Pulse and Spartan Health Studio was the two main, well, the only two fashion houses in 1992 here in Jamaica. So if you weren't at one, you would be at the other. And here it is, he had all these elite models and Miss former Miss something, either Miss Universe or Miss Jamaica in this club. And there was only 10 persons in there. So I watched it, um, left out because my interest was gone. It was like, we, they used to have a lot of these here from the 70s, 80s, right to the early 90s. And I guess people were just tired of it or I don't know. So after the show, he called me like two days later and I said, I have a full proposal for you. And he says, all right, let me hear it. Mm -hmm. I said, all right. And I told him what I had in mind. And he says, oh, this sounds interesting, but where are you going to get the girls? So I said, I have the dancehall girls. You can take four of the uptown girls and put with me and we have this fashion clash, uptown versus dancehall. That was a concept that you came up with there, uptown versus dancehall. Yes. And he said, oh, well, yeah, I'm going to take it to some more people. And he was like toying with it because, you know, dancehall, nah. And then I said to him, all right, this is, this is the part of the proposal where I don't understand why you wouldn't do it. Don't pay us unless the show flop. So if the show keep the night and nothing happened, you don't pay me. But if, you, if the show works out and so-and-so, I want X amount for each girl. And he says, oh, well, well, it's a wrap. I don't have anything to lose. And I said, yeah, that's what I've been telling you. <laughs> so got together, had some meetings. I was the person in charge. Don't know where I'm going to get the other girls because by this, I'm only telling what's in my head. This has not gone to the other girls yet. And one of them, my sister Pinky, and their little crew that they would go out with and dress sexy and was fine with it. I finally convinced them because I had to tell them that they're going to be paid. So they didn't know about no money. If show don't work out, I couldn't tell them that. So I told them this was the money, even more than what the man was going to be agreeing to, because I want them to do it. And they say, what? For the money, they'll do it. And I said, all right. So on April 12, 1992, we had the first staging of dancehall fashion clash of moon versus dancehall at Cactus Nightclub in Portmore. And I did my promotion. And at the night, they had to close the door and turn some of the patrons away because Cactus couldn't hold any more people. And Cactus was know. a really big, famous club at this time here. I don't know what's happening because we're in the back waiting to go, you know, getting ready, putting the stuff together. And at this time, we had a um, Mr. Maker World in the clash. And Lantern Stiles, which was who was doing the choreography of the show, because it's a real show, she placed me with Erica Carr. Because the other three girls, they said they're not going up against Mr. Mika. I didn't care. What do I have to lose? But it knows me. Mm -hmm. I have nothing to lose. I said, I don't care. And she says, no, no, no. I already placed you because I see that you are the confident one. And you're the one I'm putting with Erica Carr. So I said, all right. 
what the what, what's going to happen? You know, the least going to happen is she went to clash. And so the clash started. And in the clash, at the time, there was this particular song, which was number one, Wife. Um, so the song stating that we're fighting over a man, which was really what dance was back then. And what the winner will get the man. You know, so we were like, well, 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 well. <laughs> we're going to get so the other three was their first time coming on a stage. Okay. It wasn't the first time because I used to perform at school and fetch and have won couple dance competition and made it to competition and all the other stuff. So the night, they were drunk. I wasn't because I don't drink alcohol. And I'm getting everybody ready because it's three other girls that's just freaking out that they're really doing this and starting to blame that I talked them into this. <laughs> when they went out on the first outfit and saw how around the club was, I thought I had the problems before, but my problem came right after the first entrance. Anyways, the night kept going and the clash is going and it was the people's choice to choose who went. But every time Erica Akar came on stage, the opera would go because she's she's the reigning Mr. Mika, beauty queen. And when I would come out after her, the roar would even be bigger because I was dancing to present my clothes. Yeah. And they kept, we kept going at it, but the focus was just on me and her. And I was, I was doing it. Then we had a swimsuit section and I don't know, coat over my swimsuit. When she came out in our perfect figure, the place went wild. <laughs> so when I came out and I backed off the coat that I was wearing, the show actually came to an halt right there. I was, it was a wrap. Yeah. And so we kept doing it and doing it. And we, each time they would, the first time they said, all right, the dance all girl win. So I went to the MC at the time, Francois. And I said, she's Mr. Miko, beauty queen. I want to be dance off me. And he says, I like dance off me. How do you use? So hence this title was born. And just like that. Just like that. And the people kept choosing the winner. It wasn't no judge. It was people who were chosen, choosing the winner. And they chose me. They kept saying, one in the, whatever color here I was wearing, they kept choosing me. And this right there was the beginning of Dancehall Queen as we know it, as you said, April 12th, 1992. That's crazy. We're almost basically, this is your 30 year anniversary right here. Yes, it is coming up yeah. in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. So then now you won the competition. Cool. What happened the next day or the next couple of days after you being so, this girl from Uptown winning? Right. So the first thing the organizers of Miss Jamaica World did was pull her, pull her out of the competition because how can you go make someone know who wants to join you? So they pulled her from, because we, they had a plan now for around the island. Yes, the, it went so well. The, the, the man come and said, no, 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 this don't stop here. And I said, neither does the pay. Because we got this so little and nothing. I had to pay them more. So now you want. He said, no, no, no. Anything we want, we're going to get. So it started. Um, they pulled her. So he had to. They pulled her and used a 
very lame excuse. So we still had the uptown models, real fine girls. And everybody know was afraid because they know they were going to lose. And so they kept rotating the girls because one might, some will just stay because, you know, it's exposure for them. And so the final turn of the, the show went to Oceana Hotel downtown in Wallum. And at this time, because the first show had no media, because they don't know. It wasn't media necessary, you know? <laughs> so they came, they all came. They all came, wanted to see the downtown girls. And they kept saying downtown girls because, you know, in Jamaica, class does make a big difference. And they're only thinking that dance hall only can be represented by inner city or, you know, less lifestyle, you know, people. So they kept saying downtown. I kept saying, no, it's dancehall. It's my culture. It has nothing to do with uptown, downtown, or underneath the toilet. It's my culture that I'm representing. Anyways, the media came. Every single media house in Jamaica was there. From the radio, TV, all the newspapers, magazines, everything was just there. And so we had a section of the show and one of the girls was very drunk mm -hmm. and there is a see-through outfit <laughs> and she forgot to put her underwear on. <laughs> and that's all they acted like the whole show was about. And so it started to come and they wanted to speak to us, question us, talk to us, everything. And hence it just started there. Uh, one of the things that came out after with years to come was when a lot of the people from the inner city learned that I was not from the inner city. Mm. So the people who knew I was from Uptown didn't want me to represent that all. And the people who were from the inner city who knew I was from Uptown didn't want me representing that all. So I'm now in the middle of nowhere. And I didn't care because I was doing my culture. And my culture is... That's all. And I'm representing Jamaica. Just like that. So it's like Uptown has a problem. Downtown has a problem. But yes. you. Uptown, don't Uptown wanted me to go into Miss Jamaica world. You know, the sober stuff. And Dancehall wanted me to be from downtown. <laughs> and thinking, who dare you represent Dancehall? You're not from downtown. <laughs> and who dare you represent Dance all and you're not from Doctor. So it was, yeah, it wasn't easy in the beginning, but I, I didn't care. I knew what my motive was. I knew what my agenda was. I knew what I wanted because really and truly when I came into dance all and saw the space, it was a male dominated field and the women were being like the men. And I knew at a tender age that sex sells, you know, you, no man can compete with a sexy woman. And I didn't understand why the artists, the female artists didn't understand that who was there to say, don't, don't compete with them. You're girls. And what does girls have over men? Sexy. A man can't be sexy. Don't matter who him be. So you That's came it. in with that plan. But the thing with it, when you came in, you came in with a crew also. So it wasn't, you weren't the solo. You were the most oh, noticeable, but you had a crew. No, it wasn't a crew as in crew. It was a group because we were doing a fashion show. So it couldn't have been one person. It's a fashion show. So I really didn't have a crew 
per se. I had one friend that I would go out with. I'd go out with my sisters, you know, so I didn't have no crew per se, but I was creating that as I knew that was what dance all, you know, encouraged and what it was about. Mm -hmm. So then you did the show and everything. So then now, right now, the spotlight is on you from uptown and downtown. What yes. was your next move now? So what happened? Because I had the one who the crowd kept making the winner. It was just me that they were focusing on. Although I was still having the groups do, you know, backup dancing. We, I was still creating the group and having the group. But it was really focusing on me who they thought won the clash. So it was, you know, all the interviewers, everybody, they wanted to talk to me, you know, versus everybody else. So it was, all right, come, let me talk to you. Just from there. So then now, did you start to get endorsements right away or what was your right experience away. after that? Right away. The first thing came was we went and did an audition for a music video with Shakadimus and Plies. And when I was going to the audition, I mean, over it's about 200 women that came up but i came ready myself and my three other girls pinky lana and charon no whoever it was at the time i told them no we're not we're going dress so while we were there the lady who's picking called us out the line called me and i said there's two other girls with me and took us in there and said boy i just don't want to look I would love you guys in the video. And she signed us off, not even know if we could dance. So she came back after everybody was gone and said, Oh my God, can you please tell Moon can dance? And so then she played the music and we started to dance. She was so relieved. Trish Farrell, Big Up Yourself, at the time, Alan Mango Records, she was in charge. So she booked us based on how we looked, not even knowing we could dance. And so it started there. The Murder She Wrote. That's a Murder She Wrote, right? Yes, Murder She Wrote with Jack Demos and Flies. That was your first big video that you did. Well, in terms of continuation, Tiger's Come Back to Me was my first big video. Because, as I said, that was a number one hit. It was done, I think, in 87 or 88. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you would not know who the person is that was in the video at the time. Neither, neither when we did um, Murder, She Wrote, because this was still 92. So a lot of people still wouldn't know who I was yet. They were just knowing. Mm -hmm. So where did your next big break come after you did? Because this time the video didn't take, the video and that song didn't take off right away. It took a no, little while. Years after, years after. So what happened then, we, I auditioned for a Red Label wine commercial. Mm. Yeah, and I got it. And again, Shaka Demos implies song. Because this time the video hadn't been released yet. The mm -hmm. music video had it was done, but it wasn't released. And so they used Shaka because that song, Murder She Wrote, was a number one song and another song called Tease Me. Mm -hmm. So they did, I got the part and it started right there. Red Label Wine commercial and it was a billboard and it was everywhere. What was it like dealing with what was it like dealing with corporate sponsors at this time, especially them not really understanding who you are or really what was happening at that time? There? They understood and they knew I was just beautiful to them and sexy. And again, I was still uptown. Mm -hmm. 
So they understood exactly what they wanted. At the time, I was the biggest thing in Jamaica. It was a new crib that everybody, everybody wanted to be on. And it made sense. It had a market plan. It had the music because dancehall was there. Dancehall music was, you know, coming to life. You know, from the Shabba ranks, who was big. You know, it was, it was happening. Dancehall was being loved overseas, especially. So it was the right place to be. So when was the first time you actually started to travel now and how did that work out? So again, with Shakadimus and Pliers, um, they wanted to do something with the fact that I was now branded to the um, music of Shakadimus and Pliers. It was if I was their backup dancer. Um, three of us, the three. So they wanted to do something overseas. And... We're like, I'm ready. So we went. They were doing their album launch. They were promoting their albums. So we did like 47 states in the United States. I perform on the Apollo Theater. Okay. Yes. At, but you see the thing with it, a lot of times people at this time, there are a lot of people are seeing you but they're not hearing you. So they don't really know what's in your mind, how you speak or what your real intentions were because you're just well, seeing the face, you're seeing the shape. Well, that in Jamaica, I was being interviewed on everything because that's part of what pushed me. So I was on everything. If there was a word enough, I was enough <laughs> because everybody wanted to speak to this young girl who did not speak the way they are thinking she should. You know, because as again, dancehall, all the women that's been in dancehall has a certain kind of reputation that the image that they represent. And this was not it. Yeah. Right, right there. So you went on this tour here with um, Chakadimus Empires. How did that feel going on this tour and then now coming back to Jamaica? I don't think it's not like, no. So nobody knew you went on a tour. Nobody cared either. <laughs> it's not like, oh, everything was, you know, and I wasn't publicizing anything, neither were they. So it was, I was already big home. I was getting there. I tell you, my billboard, I was on everything, you know, so it was neither near nor there. Nobody made a big deal out of it because at the time that wasn't a big deal. There was not like, oh, the music, you don't have to be, you don't have to work to be a star now. You know, you have the help. We had no help. We had to promote ourselves. We had to do the work. And part of my image was that I looked different every time you would see me. My clothes was interesting. My shoes was interesting. My hair, everything about me was interesting. So, you know, it started then. We had other crews and people started to follow me, you know, and, you know, which was what I wanted because I started to go in like the inner city picking out people, looking videos for people. Yeah. When did downtown really start to accept you? I don't think downtown ever accepted me. Probably now that I've been retired from presentating, mm -hmm. that is when they're comparing me to other girls to say, oh, we want back her. When I was there, you didn't want me. But no, they don't like what they have, I think. So they're, they keep, you know, saying... Yeah. 
I, I don't think I was ever accepted. I made them accept me in the form of I left that field, went into something else, still upscaled, still, and I pulled dance all with me. So they recognized that this girl wasn't here for nothing from herself. She was looking out for the culture. I hear you. Because the thing with you with dancehall queens nowadays, you just think, okay, it's just strictly skin out, head top and all that. But you actually were dancing. You invented Butterfly. Yes. As How did you come up with that? It's a long story. I saw the, the intake and I went to Africa with my dad when I was younger. And I saw the, there was, I think it was like a outbreak of something. It was just a lot. And they were pitching on me. So I was seeing the motion. And I just started to do myself. And years later, the dance came through too. I build it up. I build it up. I build it. I did a lot of other dance moves. I just didn't name them. I didn't have the time to, you know, I said, I just want one signature piece. And so I worked hard on the signature piece. <laughs> because I know you were in the video and the song to Byron Lee and Admiral Bailey, the actual butterfly. Yes. Because at the time they understood marketing, of course, Byron Lee, the great Byron Lee, he understood what was to make this a double whammy. So he made sure reach out to me to tell me I have this son and I'm not going to do it if you're not going to do it. And I said, sure. And he was like, okay, sure. And how did that song do for your career at that time there? Oh, excellent. Because I then went to a couple islands with Marley. I didn't do just, I, you know, I did a lot of things on my own. I went on tour, not tour, but I went on several Carnival, because I'm Jamaican and I'm into whatever is going to make dancehall spring across. And this was, you know, dancehall meeting soca. And so I was on the trail and, you know, that went off over into the different Caribbean islands where it sent me, brought me to Cuba for dancehall um, competition, a butterfly competition in Cuba. What was it like your first time in Cuba? Because I know you went about three times. What was it like the very first time you went to Cuba? Chaotic. <laughs> it was chaos. So I went to Cuba to judge a dance, a butterfly competition. This was 1993, I think. And um, as I didn't take any time to be popular, I went from A to, to Z, from one to 100. As I told you, the first show and by the next show, I was known. I didn't creep. I didn't crawl. I went from one to 100. Um, I was an instant hit, instant sensation that didn't sink. So um, Cuba said, got in touch with me, the promoters, and said, oh, we want to know if you would do it. So of course. So they said, okay, the, the guy, Bonnie Francis, God rest his soul, he had just was about to name a boat off of me, Caribbean Queen. Yes. And this boat was going to start the trips to Cuba, you know, from Jamaica. And he says, well, is it okay? And I said, of course. And he says, they want you there. And I'm going to do the grand opening of the boat on the day off, whatever, whatever. I said, no problem. And so I was just to go and be a judge of the butterfly competition. So I got into Cuba, Santiago de Cuba, and... The place was rum. So I'm wondering, wow, it's a mega stage show. They said over 40,000 people are there just to see 
me. Didn't know this. So I was like, you know, anyways, I got on stage and people start climbing the trees, everything, just to see me. And I stood up. I was wearing something real sexy and cute. And I stood up and everything just came down. So the competition had to be canceled from there because the stage brought down the people. <laughs> Over 40,000 people. And they were now comparing me and making me. That event, that first, that, that was my first major encounter that I understood that I was big anywhere. Great. And so that could have gone to my head if I wasn't a real, you know, grounded person. <laughs> so they said, listen, this is not going to happen. We're going to have to postpone and carry it into a studio. We're not going to advertise it because they were falling. They have to lift, airlift me off. Human beings were taking me in the air to take me because they were drawing by here. They were pulling my clothes. They just wanted to touch me. Yeah. And the guy um, said, I was now compared to the late, great Michael Manley. That's the only other person that ever gets this welcome or, yeah. So now I was like walking on tin air, floating. I wasn't walking anymore. Yeah, I couldn't, I could and they were, they knew my name. Colleen, Colleen, it was, they knew my name. They knew my name. Yeah. Why do you think you were so popular and got such a reception over there? And as you said, and you're not a singer. What was, why do you think it was like that? Sex sells. And I was simple. Simple. Sex sells. And I was sexy, sexy looking, different, appealing. Men could jewel and women could appreciate. So it was just everything that was right at the time, you know? And one of the things that spread that all, oh, you, Nobody touched me. And I wasn't friendly in certain way. When I was done work, I was very professional. You wouldn't see me again. And if you saw me again, I'm wearing like a suit, a fully cap. <laughs> so you're like, okay, what happened to who was on stage? No, that's my job. This is my life. So, you know, that, that helped to spread that, okay, it's not about her. It's not about her vagina. It's not about her giving you what you think you're going to get. It's really just her job. You're selling the image and the imagination. That's what I'm you're selling. Six, as I say, but you can't buy it. Here you. Another big moment for you around this time here too was you appeared in a movie, Clash. Yeah, that had a lot of things behind it. I almost not got into that movie. I was supposed to be in the movie, but I'll tell you that a different time. But anyways, the guy, Bill Parker, I want to big up Bill Parker. He then says, wait, I'm not understanding because he was told that I didn't want to be in the movie, which wasn't true. Mm -hmm. um, so then they reach out to me when they saw, no, there is a concert part. And he says, I can't have this concert without her. No way. No way. And I said, well, I don't want to not be in this movie at all. At the time, Jasmine Guy and Don Calio, you know, mega stars in America. And I'm like, I want this too. You know, I was doing local movies here. We had um, Royal Palm Estate. We had something called, um, there was about four different little. So he was like, okay, you'll get this part. And I was not fine with that. 
I just want to be in <laughs> and I came and he said to me, um, just look. And I said, you have to say another word. <laughs> and I came, I was wearing yellow, full yellow from my head to my toe. <laughs> and that part of the show was really what people. And from there, the show went to um, Sundance Film Festival. And when they got there, they kept asking, who is that girl in the earth? And so I was taken. I didn't speak in the movie. I said not a word. But I was on the trail with the two mega stars. They asked me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, things, yeah. Did you ever want to get into music and record anything back then at all? No, nah, I and I regret not doing it because um, Sly and Robbie came, wanted me to do it, but I, I'm really shy. I'm really shy. Yeah, I'm day and night. I, I do have multiple person, well, two. And off stage, I'm totally different. Mm -hmm. Totally different. Like my daughter might tell you she's never seen me really dance. And when I go places and they ask me to, I refuse, I can't. Yeah, I blush as if I'm going to die. When you put me on that stage, I and mean, it's a total different thing. So I, I, I never thought I could sing. You know, people would say, oh, that sounds good. I don't care. I'm a perfectionist. So I wanted to be part, and I know I couldn't sing the way I would want to sing. And, you know, I dated an artist, and he wanted me to, and I think that was really part of why I didn't, because, you know, I didn't want him to be responsible for this. <laughs> to say, oh, I made you do this. No, you did not. But I chose to do it. And then, you know, things, you, you, you started to mature into a different mindset and wanting to do something else and something else. And then I became a mom. So it was just time to do a 360 or 180 and take it to another level. And that's really what happened. But I never left dance all. Okay. This is what I want to ask you since we brought up singing. I know you and Beanie Man at one time, you guys were the, I want to say, first superstar dance hall couple there was. Yes. And the thing with it, I'm not sure if people are aware, you guys are basically the exact same age. You know what I mean? Yes. Mm -hmm. How was it being in a relationship? Who was the bigger star at first? Was he the bigger star? You were, or both you guys were stars? In the same? I was the bigger star. I was the bigger star. Um, he lied to me about his age. So I thought he was actually older. Yes, he did. He did. And I thought he was older. Because if I knew he was that young at that time, I don't know if I would have done that. Because, you know, women are far more mature than men. Mm -hmm. So we being the same age did not help. Um, I was the star. I was the mega star. I was on everything. I was doing TV, radio, my billboards, they were clashing. So I was the biggest star at the time. And he was definitely who I knew he should have been with the help of me. So it was just a good combination at the time. Was it easy to handle a public relationship while still being stars at the same time? For me, yes, because I, I'm very confident. I'm a very confident person and secure with myself. For him, no. It was, it was really a lot for him to deal with being that I was a sex symbol. 
and he had to, he did not have money. And, you know, all these rich men were coming at me and people would probably tell him, oh, this is not, yeah, it wasn't nothing I did. It was just the, the public onto him. It didn't affect me, but it affected him. That's why, that's why I asked, because I know if, if you're in a relationship and one person is the biggest star, it makes the relationship even so much harder. And we're young trying to go through this and figure it out at the same time. I don't think it was my, my, my position in my career. I think it was that I was a sex symbol. And he, I could say was broke. <laughs> so I think it was more on that part of it. We spoke about clashes, even one more movie that you weren't in, but it basically, it's your title, Dance Hall Queen. How come you weren't in Dance Hall Queen at all? So that movie was um, proposed to me. Uh, when I read the script, I declined because that was not my life. And at the time, my parents who, my father, you know, they're upper class, upper middle class Jamaicans. I did not struggle. I was never hungry. I went to prep school. I went to high school. I went to university. So it was unfair for me to go play something I was not. They didn't get my, they only used the concept of dance or queen the title because that was the biggest thing happening in Jamaica and dance or to sell something that wasn't what I created. And at the time I wasn't aware of certain things. And when I was, my who was supposed to be helping me didn't do all that needed to be done. So it was a little, you know, so a lot of people didn't know why I wasn't in there because they're not thinking in the movie. It's this young lady who is poverty strong and she has three children, three different fathers. I didn't even have a child. I had a poodle, I had a dog, um, <laughs> you know, so it was wrong for me to do. If I was playing something else in the movie, it would be fine. If even the girl that I would have been, not the winner, the, 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 the current dancehall queen, she was a bad girl. At the time, I'd only been with two men, but yet still in the movie, she is a whore. <laughs> so I, I could not have done it because you would think that's fact because I am the dancehall queen. So it wasn't a proper portrayal of what you thought it should have been. So you figured to opt out. This isn't for oh, me. I'm not alone. That was, it wasn't, a, it, that's not how it started. So I could not have done it. Mm -hmm. Got it. Cause that's what I always wanted to know. I said, if this movie is basically dancehall queen, how come Carlene is not in this yeah, movie? Cause it's not, it's not what I created. It's nothing what I did. First of all, one of my aim for dancehall was never to clash dancehall. Cause I knew what would have, gone if you start doing that. I was enabling and uplifting dancehall, women in dancehall. So I would never clash a dancehall girl. Never. I would more find a video to put her in or get a job to give her. I'd clash anybody else. I'd clash Calypso. I'd clash anybody else but dancehall. So you were never consulted on it. It was something that was brought to you after yeah. the fact. Yeah. After it was ready to go or in the making. Mm -hmm. They only changed a few things from what they gave me, but it was still on the concept of what they had, what they knew was going to sell. They, they figured this would have been more interesting. Nobody's looking at it because it's not a documentary. It's not a real life story. So it's okay. 
but for me it would have been. Because this is your life. You're understanding your legacy yes, that you're going to. Dancehall queen would have never been a word put to a female in dancehall ever. If you do the history back of when it really started with women in the early 80s, it was mama, it was lady, it was sister. Yeah. Queen would have never been titled to a woman in dancehall. They, 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 they didn't think that's where it would be. Another big move for you was your slam condoms endorsement. Mm -hmm. This now made perfect sense. You're selling sex. They're selling safe sex. So you guys just came together. How did this all come together for you? As again, I was the sex symbol of Jamaica and a condom represents sex. Trying to make it as safe as at that time, nobody was using a condom. AIDS were prominent here. It was rising by the minute. Dancehall has a lot of promiscuous people in there. They sleep with, you know, it's crazy. And so when he, he didn't, Victor Wong, big up Victor Wong, didn't even know how to approach me because he didn't want me taking offense to it. So I had to go to Montego Bay with this meeting. Don't know what I'm going to meet. And when he comes, he says, I don't know how to say this. And when he said, I mean, if you don't want to do it, I said, what? I'm ready. I'm ready. My, my people need to be safe. Go for it. My people need to be safe. My people need to be safe. And, you know, unwanted pregnancy, STD, STIs, they're rising, you know. So let's see how we can work. One of the reasons for me being on the package is that you would buy my picture. And then the fact you have a condom, you might just use it. Because people wouldn't buy condoms. No, it's, no, no, no. It was almost unheard of at that time there. Yeah, not happening, not happening. Okay, so then now all your career is wonderful. You have all these endorsement, billboards, movies, and everything. So then now, at what point do you decide, now it's time for me to take myself away from that's how where I shouldn't be forefront anymore. Where did that happen? When I got pregnant, I am now responsible for life that I would like to choose for her. Um, whatever I did, and it might not be in her liking, I could say I did it without you. So the minute I knew I was going to be a mother, I knew I wanted to do more in a different way. I was still sexy after I had my baby. I was still perfect, fine. Nothing was wrong with me. But I just knew I wanted her to make a decision when she got to the age of understanding that all that I did, not, I'm not ashamed of nothing I did, but you weren't in that picture. And when I chose to be a mother, I knew as a mother, I wanted a different representation of myself for her. At that point there. And then how long were you actually at the forefront of your career at that point there? Almost 10 years. Almost 10 years, eh? Yeah, Because I had, after I had her, I still had and things I had to still do because I had those things before. Mm -hmm. So, you know, by 2002, I wrapped up all, everything that I was into doing that I had to do. And then started something else. I went straight into TV. That's what I was going to ask you about. Our voices with you and um, Lisa, Lisa Hannah. Hannah. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that right there showed a totally different side of you. You didn't look like Caroline Dance Hawking, but when you looked, you said, okay, this is her, but the, the whole vibe and everything was different. How did that come up? Because as, as I said, I was no mom and I wanted a whole different imagery. I started to put on weight, not from choice. I met in a car accident in 1999, September, and broke up every bone on my left side. And three years after that, I started to have a lot of issues. So one of the parts of dissolving the bone, literally, was that I had to go on steroids. And part of it is, you know, the side effects. And one of them, the major one, is that you're going to gain a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's all. I'm fine with that. And then you're doing that show. And how did that show do for your career at that time there? Oh, huge. Because I then went into other things. You know, I did safe sex on a different way. I did um, cervical cancer ads. I was doing more mature things that would suit my image that, you know, still stands because a lot of people still know me, love me. And, you know, want because I still, although not dressing that way, I was still always presented you know, fashion was part of me and being different. So, yeah. From there. And I know if we even bring it up a bit more, you had a show, you could see it in person or online called Sex and Dancehall. Mm-hmm. How did you come up with that? Because that's still now in your acting, your t- TV type of thing. How did you come up with that concept there? Um, because I had done a couple radio shows too. I was even on the radio. Um, I'd like to interact people seeing me because you know it makes so I didn't last long there so when I my daughter again now was in high school and education is far more important than any nightlife and I wasn't going to leave her so I dedicated myself to her for like a full 10 years where I said this is all going to be about you so as a minute she was heading to 18 years old I said well no she can manage herself and I want to get back into where I started not in the same format, but in keeping with certain things. And so Mr. Michael Dawson, the owner of um, Hosted Ansel, um, World with Entertainment, they approached me to do XYZ and to be a brand ambassador for their brand Hosted Ansel. And so I bought to him all that was buckling up in me for 10 years, what I would love to do. And he's such a supportive person um and a great boss he was willing to do whatever was up in here me he was like all right i'm ready and so and started we started online before there was online i started that before all of this because this started in the beginning of 2017 nobody was doing nothing online it was come to the thing so yeah from there because i know another one of your concepts was a uh, dance hall road march but it's just because of the um, pandemic. pandemic. Yes, it's still in the making. Uh, we just want the government to give us some okay and then we start to put in place what needs to be in place. It's still gonna happen. Yes, it's gonna happen. It's never happened. It's never been done before. And as you know, I'm always creating new ideas. It's never been done before and it's coming up. So as soon as we get all the paperwork together and the government to say, but they're still having limits on how many people they want gathering in one space got you 
Last question I have for you here. You've done all these wonderful stuff. You've flown all over the place. You're in movies, all type of stuff. What do you want your legacy to be when it's all said and done? Say, okay, I did it all. What's my legacy? That I did make a difference. I, I put my little two cents in. I um, introduced something to my country and a lot of parts of the world that wasn't there. And people can understand that you don't all have to be the same. You can choose to be different and, you know, that else. But my most, I would want to remember for is that I care about people a lot. Just like that. Perfect note to end it on. If they want to check out anything you're doing, where could they check out? Any big ups, anything you want to say, the floor is yours before I get you out of here. So go to my Instagram page, that's all Queen Caroline on Instagram. I, my Facebook has an issue, so I can't give that. I need to sort it up. Um, I now have a Tuesday night, every Tuesday night at a place called Mecca in Kingston, Jamaica, 67 Constant Spring Road, inside a marketplace where I do 90s dance all excellent with Stone Love, where in a ladies free, the men are thousand Jamaican dollars. You come and just enjoy the early 90s music to today. And I keep finding different themes to have it. And tonight it's color here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why you have in your color here. Any big ups you want? Pardon me? Any big ups? Yes. All my fans, well, not fans, but well-wishers, people who, you know, love me and support me throughout the years. And of course, my world, my life, Crystal, my busy, always, my sisters, my family, my friends, you know, just Everybody who's been on this journey with me from day one and who has come on as I'm going along, who has my best interests at heart. So just thank, you know, thank, thank, thankful for the kind of surrounding that I'm in. Agreed. And a special, special big up to Mr. Michael Dawson of Warway Entertainment. Definitely. I hear you speak about him a lot and I hear you speak about yeah, him highly it's, also. It's it's not anything personal. It's just that when you find somebody who's on the page that you are on and willing to sacrifice and support you in your endeavors, you have to give thanks. And, you know, it's nothing else. It's only work because a lot of people have other intentions that I've tried to work with that, you know, didn't go right. This human being is really a person of, of, of integrity. For sure. Dancehall Queen Carlene, thank you so much for sitting down with us here today. Epic conversation just to see it, how you seen it through your eyes, what's in your mind from your mouth. Epic conversation. Thank you. <laughs> Can't wait till you come to Toronto to sit down with you right here in the studio and continue this conversation further. No problem. <laughs> All right, let me give you an outro and get you out of here, all right? Never. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle, and this has been another Two-Line Music Huts Entertainment Report podcast, and we are out. This podcast is brought to you by www.twolinedmusichut.com. <laughs>